following is a presentation of WYM, Westminster Youth History. In this study, we are looking at the book of Ruth, and we are looking at how Ruth, being the biggest of outsiders, was welcomed into God's family in the most extraordinary of ways. So we're going to be looking at how we, as the church, can be a refuge for outsiders. We hope you enjoy. Matthew chapter 11, uh, this is a pretty famous passage. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus is saying, Bring your burdens to me, because I can bear them for you. That's what it's like to, to be concerned for one another, to, to share in each other's burdens, to share in each other's concerns. So far, we've looked at what it's like to be a refuge for outsiders. We've, we've looked at how we can be that refuge last week. Today, we're going to look at how we can bear one another's burdens. So tonight, I want us to see that in order to be good neighbors, in order to be a refuge for outsiders, we must be willing to enter into our neighbor's concerns. We must be willing to enter into their burdens and help. Let's talk about burdens. What are, what are some burdens that we bear as individuals? Together or just personally? Individually, personally. What are, what are burdens that, that we as human beings bear? Okay, our actions. Relationships. Relationships. What do you mean by that? Friendships. Okay. People, your relationship with your parents, your relationship with your siblings. Mm-hmm. How can they be a burden for you? Well, like making sure, not making sure, but like trying to keep your side of your relationship healthy. Mm-hmm. Like being very Hard conscious. Work. Yes, being very conscious of how you're affecting your relationship with someone mm-hmm. can sometimes be a burden to you don't know what to do, like, you're Yeah. So relationally, we have a lot of burdens. What about uh, financial burdens? Do we have financial burdens? You, you all may not, but at some point in your life, you will probably have some sort of financial burden that you are responsible for. What about spiritual burdens? What will be a spiritual burden? It's okay. <laughs> Straight to the point. Sin. Okay? Can you all think of an example of somebody having a spiritual burden in the Bible? Well, if you're just struggling and you're questioning your faith, like, mm-hmm. if you have, like, a family member die for, like, kind of no reason... Or just something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So circumstances can cause us to have spiritual burdens. What were you we saying? Jesus had to take on the spiritual burden of all of our sins. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Paul himself had the, the thorn in his side. We don't know exactly what that was, but it was something that nagged at him. It was something that, that plagued his soul often, so it was a spiritual burden. What about physical burdens? What would be a physical burden? Having a hip that's broken. Okay. So having an actual physical problem with your body. Okay. Breaking a bone. Getting a concussion. These are all physical burdens. They're all things that we can struggle with physically. What about emotional burdens? Heartbreak. Heartbreak, yeah. Heartbreak. Okay. Mental it's not fun. Mental health problems, yeah. Those are burdens. I was going to say neurological, but you beat me to it. So, yeah. Uh, we, we can have problems uh, not only with our bodies, but with our, with our minds. Our minds are affected by sin. Our minds uh, can have burdens placed upon them. The fall left us with burdens. The fall left us in a world that is burdensome. But it also did this. It, it left us as burdens to one another. So it, it took a perfect world. And when, when sin came in, not only did, did we start to take on burdens, but we also became burdensome to other people. As much as you'd like to believe it, not everybody in the world likes you. We, we like to think that everybody does, but there's probably some people out there that think, man, I really hope they don't show up tonight because I don't like that. Okay? Hopefully nobody in this room thinks that way. But we can be a burden to other people. That's that relational burden that, that we talked about earlier. 
there's, there's uh, relational issues that happen when burdens arise, either uh, from the person that has the burden going to somebody that doesn't, or from the, the, the person who, who doesn't have a burden. It's a burden for someone to come to you with, with uh, a need for help. So there's all types of burdens that we bear for one another. Uh, Tim Keller says this. He said, you can't help with a burden unless you come very close to burdened people. Pastor Wade said this in a sermon about a month ago. He said, we all need each other. I need you. You need me. This should be our mentality as the church. We grow in community, not in isolation. So we are to, to move towards people that have burdens. We're to move close to people that have burdens. Now, it doesn't mean we overwhelm people that have burdens, but it does mean that we, we enter into that with them. If you had to define a burden, how would you, how would you describe it? If someone's burdened by something. A struggle. Okay, it's a struggle. Okay, weighing, weighing someone down. Okay, something that affects not just that one area, but other areas. Or something else. It can be emotionally and mentally tiring. Yeah, it's exhausting. A burden is something that, a lot of times the New Testament is described as something that you cannot carry yourself. A burden is something that's too heavy for you to bear. The burden that's, that, uh, that Wade preached on at the end of Galatians, that's what, he's, that's what it's talking about. It's a burden that we cannot even begin to fathom <coughs> taking on ourselves. We have to have help. And this is where we as the church should come into play, where we should be, be willing to, to jump in to and help with those burdens. Now, taking on someone else's burdens is not easy. It's not something that we just get right away. Name the fruits of the Spirit. What are they? Or the fruits of the Spirit. Singular. But are any of those easy? No. Some of them are easier than others, but none of those are easy. None of them are natural for us. But that is what we're called to live by. That's how Jesus wants us to live, and that's how we can be better at carrying each other's burdens. If you are more loving, you're more likely to, to be able to enter into somebody's burden with them. If you're more patient, okay, you're more likely to stay in it for the long run with somebody. If you're more kind, uh, gentle, if you have more self-control, you're more likely to stick it out with somebody with their struggles. It should be a joy for us to enter into to someone's struggles because we've all had somebody that's entered into ours before, uh, namely Jesus. He did that for us. But we've also had people in our lives that have walked alongside us and have entered into our sorrow, entered into our struggle, entered into our burden. Have you all ever had a moment where someone just walks up beside you and you're really struggling with something, and they've been through it. And y'all can just pretty much just sit together, and everything feels like it's a lot better. Y'all ever had that moment? I've had that moment. And it's, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling when people are able to share in experiences. We don't always have to have the right words to say. We don't always have to fix the problem. But if we just move closer towards people that are struggling and have burdens, then we can see lives begin to change. That's what a burden is. Let's look at Ruth's burden. What was her burden? We talked about the first chapter specifically. A little bit more in the second chapter. But what was her burden? Taking care of her mother-in-law. Say what? Taking care of her mother-in-law. Okay, she was taking care of her mother-in-law because of what? She was a widow. She was a widow, okay? Everyone in her family was dead, pretty much. Okay, Elimelech, the two sons who had terrible names, uh, they, they all died, okay? There was no one to take care of Naomi. There's no one to take care of Ruth. They had, she had no family. She didn't really have anything. Now, remember, at one point she needed food because there was no food in Israel. That's why they went to Moab. But what happened last chapter? She was given food. Okay, even even more than that, she was given more food than she needed. I think it was like two or three weeks worth. She was given. Her physical needs are, are no longer there. Right now, it's her relational and emotional burdens that need tending to. She needed more than food. She needed redemption. What does what does her mother-in-law suggest here? And this is where it can get a little bit tricky to understand. First appearances. What does it look like? Naomi is telling her to go do. And a lot of scholars feel this way as well. She says, go and uncover his feet and lie down. Uncover his feet. 
That kind of language is a bit sexual. Okay, so a lot of a lot of scholars think that Naomi was telling her to go sleep with the guy so he can redeem us and we can be taken care of. I don't think that's what's going on here, and I hope that by the end of the night we can all kind of feel that way. I don't think she's telling her to go sleep with him. Okay, the, the idea of uncovering feet does have some sexual undertones to it, but if we look at the character of both Ruth and Boaz, I think we can see that that's not not what's going on here. And, and here's why: when Ruth was with her mother-in-law in Moab after her husband died. After her brother-in-law died, after her father-in-law died, uh, what did she tell Naomi? She said, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. What, what does that sound like to us? It sounds like a profession of faith. Okay, so she was a Moabite. She was an enemy of God. She was an enemy of Israel. And now she's been grafted in. And she has uh, accepted God as her God. And she's declared him as her Savior. So she's walking with the Lord at this point. Okay, so she is following uh, her God. So... I think it'd be hard-pressed for her mother-in-law to say, go sleep with this guy. And she says, okay, even though I'm following God, I'm going to go do this. No, I think her character at this point is being refined. Her character is showing that she is a woman uh, seeking God's will here. Uh, She declared uh, Naomi's God as her own. So she made a profession of faith. She's walking with the Lord. Um, And I won't bore you with the the Hebrew grammatical stuff that's going on here, but the idea of uncovering feet usually uh, talks about some sort of illicit sexual act. But the context of this whole conversation... The timeline of this whole conversation doesn't really make sense if we believe that they slept with one another. Now, this is hugely important because a lot of people point to this and say, why would, uh, why would godly people command their family members to go commit sin? Again, I don't think that's what's going on here. Naomi is telling uh, her daughter-in-law to go and, and seek out this man as a redeemer for our family. Not only for our family, but specifically for her. So Naomi is actually being a little bit selfless here. She's not really worried about herself. She wants Ruth to go be taken care of. So she's the one that's saying, go, go lie at his feet and and, and talk to him. Ask him if he will, will take on this, this role as kinsman redeemer. Uh, she was commanded to lie down, and then he will tell you what to do. She never said, go sleep with him. She never said, go uh, try and seduce him into doing this. She said, go and have a conversation with him. If we look at Deuteronomy chapter 25, we see the, the responsibilities of this whole kinsman redeemer relationship. I'll read a few of those verses for you. It says, the brothers dwell together, and one of them dies and has no son. And the wife of the dead man shall not be married outside of the family to a stranger. And this is, uh, again, a bit odd for us because this isn't how our culture works, but this is how it works for Israel. Her husband's brother shall go to her and take her as his wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And the first son whom she bears shall succeed the name of his dead brother. And his name shall not be blotted from Israel. If the man does not wish to take his brother's wife, then his brother's wife shall go up to the gate and the elders say, My husband's brother refuses to perpetuate his brother's name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of a husband's brother to me. Then the elders of the city shall call him and speak to him. And if he persists, saying, I do not wish to take her, then... His brother's wife shall go to him in the presence of the elders, pull his sandal off his foot and spit in his face. And she shall, say, she shall answer and say, So shall it be done to this man who does not build up his brother's house. And the name of his house shall be called in Israel, the house of him who has his sandal pulled off. So the spirit behind this passage is, if this guy doesn't take care of his family, his brother's family, then he doesn't deserve to even be called one of us. He deserves to have a sandal taken off his foot, and someone spitting in his face. That's what's going on behind this whole conversation. She's seeking this redemption that would come through this part of the law. And I want you to notice what happens when he wakes up. What, what does he do when he first wakes up? He's what? Startled, okay? If he had just, not put it out there, if he had just had sex with this woman, do you think he would have woken up and been like, whoa, who's this lady? Okay? Probably not, okay? It did say that he had just eaten and, and had something to drink, but Boaz, again, was a man of character. He wouldn't have been one to, to go and get drunk and then sleep in a field and have 
uh, a sexual relationship with just anybody that came along. That wasn't his character. It wasn't Ruth's character. Uh, in fact, the, the kind of the euphemism when it says that Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry was kind of a typical way of saying is it was time to retire for the night. Okay? He had eaten his dinner. He had hung out with people. He was joyful. It was time to go to bed. Notice some of the concerns that, that he starts to have when he speaks to her. Boaz takes, takes on an enormous reputation burden here. Okay? If, if he's seen with this woman at night, what, what do you think people will insinuate? Yeah, that, that they were off sneaking off, doing things that, that people of, of, of his position shouldn't have been doing. Okay, so her being there was, was kind of a, a relational burden to him. Like if, he, if somebody would have saw them, he probably would have taken a big hit to his reputation. So his reputation was on the line. Uh, Boaz takes on a moral burden. There's, there's temptation here. There's temptation for them to do things that they shouldn't be doing at that point. So there's, there's a moral burden. There's a relational burden. Ruth was not looking just for a one-night stand. She was looking for a lifetime of redemption. She was looking for a husband to, to take care of her, to love, and to follow, and to, to have a family with. She, she wanted that. She wants a redeemer. Now, Boaz has to work through a difficult relational issue here because what did it say about another redeemer being present? There's somebody else. There's somebody else that's closer in the line of this whole kinsman-redeemer thing than he is. So he has to go and, and reconcile this. He, if, if he's going to take on this burden, he's got to go talk to this guy first and figure out what they're going to do. And lastly, he takes on a financial burden. Okay, there was a money piece to this. In order for Boaz to officially uh, redeem Naomi and Ruth, he had to buy back all the land that Elimelech had owned. There was a financial burden that he would have had to take on. He was willing to do it. Part of how we walk alongside people and enter into their burdens means that we have to take on a little bit of risk. And that's not easy for us. A while ago, I worked at a summer camp, and it was for special needs adults and children, and I had a camper named Mark. And Mark was an awesome kid. I loved Mark. Mark, Mark was autistic. He was also severely bipolar. So he would be great one minute, and then the next moment he would just be punching people. That was hard to see. And then one night, I was walking back to my cabin because I was helping clean up something at the pool. And uh, somebody had said, you got to go talk to Mark. He, he's not good right now. So I go and I see Mark outside, and he's sitting up on top of this railing leading up to the cabin. It was probably about this high off the ground, and it was just rocks at the bottom. So it was kind of a not a good place for him to be sitting because it was kind of rickety. It was old. It needed to be replaced. So every time he moved, the thing was, like, shaking. So I, I walk up to him. I'm like, Mark, man, you gotta you got to get off that railing. I put my hand on his back, and he just... <clears throat> Locks me right in my chin. At that moment, I did not want to enter into Mark's burden. I wanted nothing to do with Mark at that point. But because I loved him, because he meant a lot to me, he was one of my campers, I entered into that. Okay? Even though he had just punched me in the face, I sat with him. I talked to him. I got him to a point where he was able to kind of calm down. It's an extreme example, but that's how we enter into people's burdens. We stay longer than we expect ourselves to. We go a little bit further than we typically would. We take a little bit of a risk, but... I took that risk because I cared about him. I wanted to see better for him. And that's how we can enter into each other's burdens is by taking the hard stuff and the easy stuff. Now, who, who here likes the easy stuff with their friends? When things are going great, wonderful, it's awesome, sign me up. When things get hard, oftentimes we do what? Run. We flee. We back off. We disengage because we'd rather them figure out things on their own. We'd rather them go get help from somebody else than us to kind of step in and, and maybe be used by God to, to help alleviate some of that burden. Boaz is entering into Ruth's concern here. He's stepping into the, the line of fire in order to take on some of her burden. And I hope you see the connection to Jesus here. Jesus stepped in and took our burden for us. Jesus took on the ultimate burden for us. Christ took on a reputational burden for us. Uh, he interacted with wretched sinners. Uh, he took on an emotional one. Uh, when he was in the garden, what did he ask the Lord, or what did he ask the Father to do? Take this burden from me. So even he had an emotional burden. Uh, he had a, a relational one. He had to love people that were really hard to love. We all have people in our lives that are really hard to love, but we're still called to love them. He bore our burdens in his death, his life, and his resurrection. How do you view the burdens of your friends? You can answer this. How do we view them? Yeah, how, how, do, you, how do you view the, the burdens of your friends? 
Let me ask this follow-up. Do you cringe and say, here we go again. Here comes somebody with all their drama. Why can't they just get over it? Why do they keep bringing this to me? Or do we say, okay, how can we work through this? I venture to say most of us are in the first category. I have both. Myself concludes. Say what? I have both responses. Okay. Yeah, it definitely depends on like, who the person is. Yeah. You know, like, I'm, I'm not making sure about the mentality of, like, do I like this person? Do I think this person is socially cool? And, yeah. A lot of times it depends on the, the source of the, the burden, too. If somebody comes up to you and they've got a splinter in their finger, you're more likely to get some tweezers and, and help pull it out than if somebody says, hey, I car just broke down, I need $700 to fix this, will you give it to me? Most of us would probably, can I just get the, the splinter out of your finger? Isn't that good enough? I want us to think about that. I want us to think about how the Lord calls us to maybe step in a little bit further. Now, if someone comes up and asks you for $700 to fix their car, I'm not telling you you have to give them $700 right there to fix their car. But you can give them a ride to the car place. You can buy them lunch that day because they're having a rough day. I mean, there's a way that we can enter into burdens and help people. It doesn't mean we have to help out with every single problem that comes our way, but it means that we can still jump in and help. What Scripture calls us to do is approach burdens with the fruits of the Spirit, with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. As a side note, this doesn't mean we allow people to manipulate us because a lot of times we, we can get manipulated with people's burdens. We have to be careful about being manipulated. It doesn't mean that we just automatically assume the worst of people either. We do have to give people the benefit of the doubt sometimes, but we also have to be discerning. We shouldn't let people steamroll us, but if we respond in the way that I just suggested, if we, if we lean in a little bit and try and help them in whatever way we can, what we're doing is we're stepping into the burdens. We're seeking to be part of the redemption process for people. So Ruth had a burden. Boaz entered into it. And how did he, uh, how did he talk about what he was going to do? What did he say? Okay. He gave her food again, but what, what else did he say he was going to do? It was part of this relational burden that he had to take care of. Yeah, so he, he offered to go talk to this guy. And we'll see in the next chapter about this whole idea of taking off the sandals and, and all that. That's going to come back. And we'll, we'll read a little bit more about that next time. But he's going to go figure out how to redeem this situation. He's going to go figure out how to take care of it. Uh, in verse 9 it says, When he asked who she was, she says, I am Ruth your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord my daughter. Again, that familial language that he's using. He's not calling her daughter because she's like a daughter to him. He's calling her daughter because that's, she's, she's part of Israel now. She's part of his family. She's, she's part of Israel's family. You've made the last kindness greater than the first, and that you have not gone after younger men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For my fellow townsmen know that you're a worthy woman. Again, pointing to her character. Now it is true that I am your redeemer, but there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So Boaz is kind of guarding her dignity here by asking her to lie down, not fall into further temptation. He's saying, lay here until the morning, and before everybody else wakes up, you'll, you'll get an opportunity to leave so that nobody will make any assumptions about you. He's protecting her reputation here. Uh, he praises her for choosing character over age. He says that, hey, Fiona, come on in. There's uh, two more chairs right there. Go on some chairs. What, what he's, he's saying here is, you could have gone after much younger men than me, but you've chosen godly character over good looks. And you've chosen godly character over somebody who may have been richer than I. So what Boaz is saying is, the Lord's going to bless you for, for seeking his will, for seeking good things. And then after that, he sends her away with more food. He, he gives her more of this barley to go and take to her family. Now, Naomi sent her, her daughter-in-law to do what? To go be taken care of. To go find a husband so that you can be okay, so that you can have a life, so that you will have a redeemer. Naomi wasn't really concerned with herself at that point. She was totally concerned with Ruth. Now what's happening here? Boaz is going to do what? He's going to redeem not only Ruth, but Naomi. The whole family. 
Uh, Elimelech's family will be redeemed. Okay, if, he, if he chooses to go down this road and talk to this other kinsman redeemer and get it all figured out, either that guy's going to do it or Boaz is going to do it. The land will be bought back. The name will no longer be tarnished. And they will both be redeemed. I want you to notice Ruth's character here. She seeks more than just her own well-being here. Okay, her, her mother-in-law said, go find this man. Ask him if he will, he will take upon this burden for us so that you can be taken care of. Ruth says, I'm not only going to do that, but I'm going to seek a redemption for our whole family here. How heavy is this? A little bit heavier than it was three seconds ago. Okay, a little bit heavier than it was three seconds ago. Is it very heavy? No. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Compared to an empty, okay. This isn't very heavy, right? This is not really a burden to me. Now, if I hold this out for two hours, is it going to be a burden to me? Okay? My arm is going to feel like jello. The point is, it's really not that, that much of a burden until it's elongated over time, until it's stretched over time. Ruth and Naomi had a burden. That burden has been happening for a long time. It'll probably continue for a little bit more time. Boaz is willing to say, you're holding this cup right here. I'm going to hold it with you. I'm going to help you. Okay, so if I'm holding this cup and then Gideon comes up and grabs it too, and then Anna Kate comes over and grabs it too, and then Hannah comes over and grabs it too, all of a sudden this burden is a lot easier to hold for two hours. Yeah. As if when we, when we help each other with our burdens, what happens? They become, they become easier to carry. They become lighter. And that's what Jesus invites us to do. He says, bring your burdens to me so I can help you carry them. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I want to help you take care of your burden. Boaz is in this for the long run. He's not here to just say, oh, I'll help you a little bit, and then I'm on my way. Uh, he's, he's there to, to help her out. Ruth had a weight to carry. He was entering into it and willing to do that uh, by first going to this other kinsman redeemer and trying to see if they could figure this thing out. All that being said, Boaz entered into her, her situation because he desired to see God work in her life. He, to see, he desired to see God work in Naomi's life. It wasn't going to be easy for him. He took a risk there. We can bear each other's burdens by praising with him when things are great, by sitting with him. And things are hard by talking with them when things are difficult, weeping with them, crying with them, uh, just as Christ does for us. How do we help alleviate others' burdens? We walk alongside. We step into it. We don't, we don't do what we naturally want to do, which is to run away from people's burdens. We need to lean into it to one another. That could be as simple as helping somebody with their homework to walking them through a, a death in their family. We all have burdens, both great and little, and we can, we can step into them with one another. What that looks like is going to be different for each one of us. But I hope tonight's lesson shows us that, that uh, if, we, if we look towards Jesus, if we look to what God has done for us, that makes us more willing and more likely to, to lean in to those things. Let me pray for us, and then we can hang out for a little bit. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. And keep an eye out for new audio upcoming from WYM.